the town of tribulation and straight on to Daring Do. Chapter 9 Just before ten o'clock the next morning, we parked across the town square from Tinker and Tatler, Fine Antiques, and waited. As the town clock sounded the hour, a hand appeared at the glass panel in the door of the shop and lifted the blind that covered it. The hand then turned the closed sign round so that it read open and slid back the bolts at the top and bottom of the door before opening it wide. The hand was followed by a lumpen body that belonged to an elderly man. He stood in the doorway and looked up and down the street before disappearing back inside the shop. "'Is that Mr Tinker?' I asked as he reappeared, shuffling a battered garden table and a chair onto the pavement. "'It is, and it isn't,' said Grandma. "'That's old Mr Tinker's nephew, who's also called Mr Tinker.' I had expected him to be a young man, but was told that old Mr Tinker was now in his eighties, and so it seemed logical that his nephew must be about the same age as Grandma. We watched as he carried out a wicker cat basket with a hole in one side and placed it on the table. Something for Dotty, I joked. A scruffy pair of fishermen's waders came out after that. Something for P.C. Rains, I chuckled. Next, young Mr Tinker brought out a threadbare deck chair and, having had some difficulty in making it stand upon its own, rested it against the shop wall. And something for Billy-O, I said. Finally, a stuffed brown bear was positioned near the doorway, a bowler hat placed on top of its head, a golf club in one paw and a small finger post with the words, Extensive showroom inside. Come in and browse in the other. We looked at each other and spluttered. Definitely something for the Danvers, we said at the same time. Young Mr Tinker seemed satisfied with his pavement display and retreated to the extensive showroom. Give him a few minutes, said Grandma. We want his full attention. When the town clock showed ten minutes past ten, we crossed the road going first to the butcher's shop on the other side of the antique shop. Grandma bought some sausages, bacon and two lamb chops. As she left the shop, she pretended that she was going to walk straight past Tinker and Tatler's. But as we had rehearsed, I called her to come and look at an old doll in the window. I played my part well, pleading with her to come and look inside. All right, she said in a voice loud enough to be heard inside the shop. But we can't be long extensive showroom was not how I would have described the shop, as piles of broken, incomplete or worn-out items towered above us on each side of the entrance, leaving little room to come in or to browse. Heaps of books with torn covers and tattered comics, teapots with missing lids or broken spouts, hats, walking sticks and umbrellas loomed up on every side, blocking out the light and filling the air with a musty staleness. As my eyes grew accustomed to the gloomy interior, I spotted what I was looking for and cried out, Look, Grandma, barometers! I steered her towards a wall near the back of the shop, where two banjo-style barometers were hanging. Too big, I think, said Grandma, playing her part. They're definitely too big. It's quite a small space. Can I help you, ladies? 
young Mr. Tinker had crept up so silently that I jumped when he spoke. Close up, he was even more lumpy, with a carbuncle on his forehead and two warts on the end of his nose. The dim light made his skin look grey and clammy, and he reminded me of a toad. "'I don't think so,' said Grandma. "'I need a barometer for my hallway. "'I bought one some years ago, but it needs replacing.' "'This was what she often called being selective with the truth, "'as she had bought a barometer some years ago, "'but it had never been in the hallway, and it did not need replacing. "'It was next to the captain's photograph on board the Fiona. "'These are much too big. "'What I need is just a barometer without the thermometer on the top.' As she turned to leave, young Mr. Tinker hesitated for a moment and then took the bait. "'I might have just what you're looking for,' he said. "'It came in yesterday, so I haven't had time to clean it up yet. "'If you wouldn't mind waiting, I'll go and fetch it from the storeroom.' We watched as he took a small key from the drawer behind the counter and unlocked the door at the back of the shop. He returned with the brass barometer mounted on a square wooden plinth and handed it to Grandma. She didn't want to seem to be too keen, so she tapped the glass and checked for scratches and dents. Mm, she pondered, it might do. How much are you asking for it? Young Mr Tinker said that he could take no less than £30, as it was a very fine piece and in good working order. I think it would fit, she said. "'but I'd need to make sure. "'Could you write down the measurements? "'I can check the space and come back tomorrow morning "'if it's the right size. "'Do you mind putting it by?' "'Young Mr Tinker said that he would keep it until the next day "'and sort it through the drawer behind the counter "'for a ruler and a piece of paper "'on which to write the measurements. "'While he was busy, Grandma turned the barometer over, "'nudging me so that I could see what she had spotted.' forming a perfect square on the back was a line of blue paint all around the edge. We walked calmly back to the car and once inside drove at top speed not to Grey Malkin Cottage or to the old harbour but to the police station. I was pleased to see that PC Rains was on the reception desk although his red nose and a box of tissues at his elbow told us that he had not fully recovered from his dip in the canal. He smiled when he saw us. Good news, he said. The binoculars are engraved with Captain Danvers' name. And what's more, they've managed to lift a fingerprint from them. Sadly, there's no match on our database, so the thief hasn't been in trouble before. Or perhaps, said Grandma, he hasn't been caught. Well, I've got some good news for you, she continued. I know where you'll find the owner of your fingerprint. She told the young policeman how we had gone undercover, as she called it, and hoodwinked the thief. I thought that she'd been watching too many detective programmes on television, but PC Rain seemed very impressed and called his sergeant, who in turn called the detective inspector. We were shown into an interview room and were questioned about what we had seen. The detective inspector asked us not to return to the shop as we could be in danger if Mr Tinker had accomplices or turned nasty, as he put it. He explained that he would need to get a warrant which would give him permission to search the shop. He thanked us for being good citizens and promised to let us know the outcome of the investigation. 
I think that we were both disappointed that we could not be involved in the arrest, but drove to the old harbour and contented ourselves with a bacon sandwich on board the Fiona. The smell of the bacon cooking brought Bob to our boat, eager to know what had happened at Tinker and Tatler's. Grandma had already explained to him that it was better if he didn't come with us, as his family was well known in the town, whereas she was not, and so could be incognito, whatever that was. The smell of bacon must be travelling a long way, she said, nodding towards the car park, where PC Rains had pulled up in a police car. While he was walking round to the boat, she prepared another sandwich, and soon we were all sitting on deck enjoying our lunch. Between mouthfuls, PC Rains told us that he'd been sent to let us know what had happened after we'd left the police station. Young Mr Tinker knew that we were on to him as soon as we walked into the shop, and straight away he took us into his storeroom and showed us everything he'd stolen. To be honest, I think he was relieved that it was all over. He said that he had taken over the shop when his uncle had fallen ill and hadn't realised what a state it was in. There was no money in the bank and the stock was so shabby that nobody wanted to buy anything. It was then that he decided to burgle the boats. He said that it was easier than breaking into people's houses. I don't think he was very good at being a thief because he'd not managed to sell a single thing that he'd stolen. That's good news, said Grandma. At least everyone will get their things back. But why did he throw away the binoculars, I asked. And why was the carrier bag in the water, added Bob. He'd used a torch to get on board the boats, but he was so useless that the battery went as soon as he got onto Miss Danvers' boat. When he was outside the old harbour, he parked near to the oak tree to check what he'd got. Because the binoculars were engraved with Captain Danvers' name, he knew that they would be too easy to trace, so he threw them into the canal. It was dark, so he didn't realise that they hadn't sunk and they were resting among the reeds. As for the carrier bag, it was quite windy that night and it blew out of his car and into the canal when he opened the door to get rid of the binoculars. Well, said Grandma, sad that we had not been there for the arrest. We never did get to daring do. I laughed and added, but I think that young Mr Tinker will be in the town of tribulation for some time to come. P.C. Rains looked bewildered. What? he questioned. Past the town of tribulation and straight on to daring do, I said, winking at Grandma. I added, have you never heard of that before? P.C. Rains shook his head, so I explained, It means that you must put your troubles behind you and have fun. That's one explanation, laughed Grandma, and a good one at that.